that's my flirting. Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we are going to have a very fun and interesting show. I find it interesting because I actually had to do research on this topic because it's not a topic that I had a lot of knowledge or background in. And for me, whenever I get to research anything to do with sex, relationships, uh, and anything in that realm of fun, romance, uh, it, it just lightens and brightens my day. It brings me so much joy. I know for some people doing research is bleh. For me, I love finding resources and checking if the resources are valid. Um, and I, one of the things that I love to do is share the research with you guys. So tonight I'm going to be sharing some of the research I found on flirting in history. Mostly we're looking at, well, we are in this episode only going to be looking at uh, flirting throughout the ages across Europe, across the, eventually I'll probably do some research on the other continents, but right now Europe was the easiest one for me to do research on, mostly because I feel with my heritage being European, that I can actually speak to it and also be able to share information um, even to an almost modern day history about what uh, my family did flirting across the ages. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have some stories to share. You know, my dad was a very big flirt and still is. He's going to be 86 at the end of this month. And my dad's a very big flirt. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about stories that he shared with me in his life. Not too many details because he sometimes gives me way too many details, <laughs> but, but uh, it's fun. It, it's, I think, therapeutic for him. But I'm going to share with you guys some of this, the um, the references that I found that I found for, uh, going, we're going to be going back all the way to ancient Rome and ancient Greece, all the way until the 1800s. Uh, so 19th century, 1800s. And depending on how much time we have left, we might even get right into the 1950s. There is a lot of differences across the countries. And so I'm going to be pinpointing times where I would say that these uh, countries were kind of at their height. So talking about, you know, Roman history, uh, we're looking at like, you know, BC to like second century uh, AD, that sort of time range. I'm not a historian, guys, but I I'm just going to reference some time frames for you. Uh, ancient Greece, we're looking at like, you know, BC as well, like 100, 200 BC, that kind of time range. And then we're going to be looking at some of the height of the the uh, the Norse, the Norsemen. So like. 600s to a thousand uh, or 1200 around there. We're going to look at some of their flirting history. 
not necessarily the dating and the marriage, because those are all, they can all be very different, but some of them actually coincide with each other. And then we're going to be looking at some stuff from France and England and Spain that has to do more with 16th century all the way till the mid 18th century Victorian era. And I think I'm going to share some things with you guys that you'll just both find humorous and playful. And there are some things that have been shared for well over 200 years that I found through research uh, that Sotheby's, and I would say that Sotheby's uh, is a very, mm, I would say that they've done their research because they work in antiques and they work in all things to do with history. And I'll be sharing with you something that for a long time was believed to be true, but in fact, Sotheby's is saying that it might not be. And if you don't know what that is, stick around to find out. So why am I sharing this stuff with you guys? I love talking about sex and bodies, and I love talking about all things to do with pleasure. So all things to do with pleasure also bring us into all, how did we even get here, right? Like if our parents didn't flirt, if generationally going back, your great, 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 10 times great grandfather and great, great grandmother didn't know how to flirt, the chances are you wouldn't be here. So it all started with a flirt, really, or whatever would have been the way to get introduced in the day. Maybe your family was aristocracy and they met in a different way. Maybe you're from a, a country where there was prearranged marriages, but there was still a form of flirting that was going on there as well. However, I'm not going to be talking about that right now. We're going to be talking about all the European countries and some of their fun historical information. So I wanted to first get uh, really clear that the word flirt actually has no known origin. And so when you look it up, there's some ideas and maybe that it comes from the word uh, flower, like little flower in French, fleurette. And then there are some other things that say we don't really know, but I like the idea that it comes from little flower in French. It just seems sweet and new, like a new relationship would be a, a bud, you know, like a budding relationship. So those are all really fun takes to me on what we're looking at uh, tonight. So the first thing I want to talk, well, so I wanted to let you guys know, flirting may not be what we thought it was. And for those of you who are brand, brand new to this station, brand, brand new to this show, I just wanted to share with you that as a sex and intimacy coach and as a holistic health practitioner, I love to work with people and share with them all things about their bodies and what's going on in their relationship, I love to work with them on anything where they're having issues. So I've had people come to me with all kinds of things. I've had people come to me for their health and end up needing uh, relationship sex and intimacy coaching. And I've had people come to me for sex and intimacy coaching that actually have health issues. And some fine examples are, you know, if you happen to have like erectile dysfunction and it's affecting your relationship and you're coming to me for how do I get more intimate with my life? Well, I've got lots of tips and tools for you on how you can do that, even if you have erectile dysfunction. And some key things that you can go and ask your doctor to check on for you before taking and popping some pills that are going to probably affect your liver and your heart and a whole bunch of organs. But there are some tests that you can ask for in order to get that going. So that is what I love to do. I love to work with people on their health in a holistic way. And I love to work with people 
in sex and intimacy as well in a holistic way. So tonight I'm sharing with you flirting and there are some fun, fun stories about flirting guys. So I want to take you all the way back to ancient Rome. Now, the references I'm giving you, I don't know if the ancient Roman references come before the ancient Greek references or vice versa. I'm going to go with they were around the same time. So we're looking at the ancient Roman times. There, there were a few things that was go that were going on in ancient Rome that would have indicated that somebody was interested in you. And one of the articles I read, which was really fun, um, it was an article that was written about the art of love and in Roman, and forgive me if I'm not saying this right in Latin, uh, ars armatoria, or ars, uh, yeah, ars armatoria. I might be saying that wrong, so apologies. Uh, there was a book written way back in second century, uh, 2 CE, so second century uh, common era before uh, AD, right? So now we have common era. I forget that there's AD, BC, all of that's changed. Okay. So the art of love became really, really popular with people. Uh, it was actually really kind of embraced to look at how do you have relationships. It's one of the first books written on the art of love that we have. There are a few others that go a little bit further back, but for ancient Rome, this is one of the very first. And it was, well, some say it is the first in Rome, but that doesn't mean in the whole world. Um, it was the first book in a series discussing a bunch of theories and ideas about how people should really deal with their love life. So it was written by Ovid. Yeah. And Ovid was like very uh, well-known writer, author of the day. So the art of love, uh, and I don't have a copy of that. So that just makes me remember to go, oh, check that out. Maybe get a copy of that. So one of the things that you might do in ancient Rome, which is relevant to today as well, is to start showing small acts of affection. So if you really like somebody, small acts of affection with kindness, flirtation, and sweetness, such as you might bring a gift to your loved one. And you might say things like write, written, or you might say them out loud, giving a description of what a good parent was. These were all ways that would be enticing in the day that would have you feel open to relationship. Giving a hug, embracing the one you loved, or writing a poem about how wonderful your partner is. There's also some stuff around complimenting the parents of the the person that you are interested in as well. So there's some really fun things. And if you ever wanted to look at the art of love and use it for you as a way to advise you in this world so that you can move forward in relationship, this is all advice that was offered uh, on what a woman must do to win and keep a man's love. And some of the flirting tips that were offered, which are pretty fancy, I'll share the some of the top ones that were found in the research I did today. And uh, in the last few days, actually, but this came from today's research. So number one, on the tip of how what women must do to win a man and keep his love. 
And, and keep in mind that in Roman times, it was actually really common for people to have uh, to be in to be bisexual, to have bisexual relationships, to have orgies, to have all kinds of things. This was more for having creating primary relationships or even out of interest so that you could be part of the orgies, maybe. So number one is make sure you are physically presentable. So you'd want to make sure, especially with Romans, they were really into baths and cleanliness. So you'd really want to make sure you were clean. This actually is true for a few uh, of the cultures we'll be looking at, the countries and cultures we'll be looking at today, is they were very much into hygiene, which for a lot of people I think is surprising when they think of people prior to like 1950 maybe, or they just think, oh, they were all dirty and they must have all smelled because nobody had deodorant and everybody... And, you know, in the 1700s, they didn't wash, but they actually had their own variations of hygiene and they were not really interested in smelling really bad. And they would do things like wear perfumes and things to smell good. So one of the things that they're saying that ancient Romans wanted to do is make sure you're physically presentable, which also would have included different hygiene things. So one of the things that a man should do so he should also be physically presentable so the woman should be able to receive some of these things from the man because this uh the art of love was written for for heterosexual relationships but i'm sure that lots of people have referred to and used the these tools in all kinds of relationships so use flattery and flattery when you look at this list actually you're going to find that a lot of it relates to the five languages of love. Like flattery is the same as, uh, you know, uh, words of affirmation. Um, and then there's like, don't forget her birthday. That's also can be quality time together, right? So don't forget her birthday. Don't ask about her age. Learn how to sing and dance because women find those skills attractive in a man. Write her beautiful poems. Make promises. Well, don't just make promises. I want to add a little addendum to that one and make promises and keep them. <laughs> so they don't have that part in there. They just have make promises and keep them and go to the theater because it is a great place to pick up girls. Now, this is great, guys. Go to the theater to pick up girls. Now, where would you go these days? You could actually go to the same places. You could go to the theater. You can go out and do that. And I just like to say theater that way because it's more fun. Drink wine. It gives you courage. <laughs> if you want to be loved, be lovable. So these are fun, great tips from Ovid's book from ancient Rome, from second century um, of the Common Era. So oh, Common Era, yes, not BCE, um, not before the Common Era, CE. So second century, you know, getting clear on those new terms. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about ancient Greece. There isn't a lot of how to flirt that I found from ancient Greece. There's a lot of things on the many different variations of love from ancient Greece, and we're going to talk about one of them that I think is akin to flirting. So we'll talk about that when we come back from commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? 
Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we're talking about flirting. I'm just wondering how many of you out there are avid flirters, you love flirting. What is the purpose behind your flirting? I think throughout the ages, the whole purpose of flirting has changed a lot. Back in the day, the flirting was intended to get you into a relationship that was intended to get you into marriage, that was intended to get you into something that was stable to perpetuate life and all that jazz. And now flirting can just be something that's fun and playful, brings a little energy and helps you feel better about yourself, but it doesn't have to go anywhere. Where flirting before, as reading uh, this book of o- from Ovid, on the art of love, reading some some information for you, for you guys from that, uh, it looks to me like if we look at this, that everything is intended to get her to swoon the lady so that she falls in love with you and she's your forever, forever person. Now, I haven't read the entire book on the art of love and I've only read excerpts from it. So I am actually curious and I'm going to get it and I'm going to listen to that or read it and I'm going to find out if there's more information in there on what is intended with flirting what is intended in general in relationships and what is the purpose of relationships back then was it always to get married was it to create alliances because a lot of times it was for creating alliances especially with aristocracy so I wonder if that was true in general with people you know if you happen to be a farmer and you have Uh, you know, some stock that you're growing and your neighbor is growing some other stock that you're not growing. Maybe, you know, if your kid's married, then you can share the land and create more wealth. I don't know. I didn't read that part. But a lot of times it did have a lot to do with what was going to be beneficial for the future. So it wasn't always just because you thought somebody was good looking and you wanted to have their babies 
uh, or anything like that, but there were other reasons why people flirted and flirted themselves into an and into relationships for sure. So, so then what happens? So we're talking a little bit about ancient Rome, which is kind of fun, great tips. Take some of those tips into your everyday life. Whoever you're flirting with, I think they're really great. Basically, looking after yourself is key. I mean, if you kind of come in off slovenly, it's not so attractive. And to remember things about your partner is really attractive too, like remembering their birthday and, you know, doing things with them, quality time, singing and dancing, because back in the day and back in Roman times, that was the cool thing to do. But nowadays it could be anything, you know, maybe you're into skeet shooting and you and your partner want to go skeet shooting. It's having that quality time together is really fantastic. And as much as it might not be your top love language, everybody has all the love languages um, that speak to them. Just some of them are more primary than others. So, you know, whatever it is that you have in common, it can be really helpful to, uh, to nourish that. Writing beautiful poems is still lovely. And I still think that saying things that are lovely to your partner can definitely enhance the relationship. Some people aren't into poetry though. So you might, you know, write a rap for them, which is still poetry, but with a whole different uh, beat to it. And you might write them a book or you might just write them a letter and anything would be really lovely that is, you know, words that are affirming, right? So like I mentioned, if you are gonna make promises, nowadays, definitely, if you're gonna make a promise, stick to it. Integrity is super sexy. That is what I have to say. Integrity is sexy. You say something, stick to it. Do it, be it, all that jazz. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ancient Greece. And this comes from the BetterHelp website uh, that I was when I was looking up, how did they flirt in ancient Greece? The BetterHelp website was giving a lot of great tips on the different how the ancient Greeks viewed love and the different kinds of love they had. So there's, we've talked about four of the main kinds of love that the Greeks had, but there's now been more words that have come up. Um, I think now there's seven or eight that they talk about. And this is one that I had not talked about in the past and actually just learned about. And it's one of the many Greek words of love. It's ludus. And I think I'm pronouncing that correct. Apologies to the Greeks if I'm not. Uh, L-U-D-U-S. And to the Greeks, ludus was a type of playful love that was indicated by playful behavior and budding feelings. So to me, when I read that, I think that feels very much like flirting, does it not? So it was often used to describe puppy love of a new relationship or a crush and a relationship built on ludus typically did not lead to committed relationships. So it was really just playful, fun, and exciting to get things going. Yeah. So I kind of have a thing about uh, Norsemen, Vikings. Vikings and Norsemen, by the way, are not the same. Um, not every not every Norseman was a Viking, but every Viking was a Norseman. All right. Okay. Um, so this is from a history that was uh, called the history called history collection and the Vikings uh, the history of the Vikings on here was very fascinating 
And they did refer to them mostly as Vikings, but I'm going to also just keep this as, just to be aware that this is Norsemen in general, the Norsemen. So one of the things that was really key in for the Norsemen was to be able to meet and talk. So it was a way to start to form and forge relationships. But there were also, and that's really common, right? You just want to meet and talk. So uh, one of the things, though, that's really fun is that if a woman or a girl wanted to show a guy that she was interested in him, that she liked him, what she needed to do was she needed to make him a shirt. And Viking men, what they would do is they would go out and handpick their lady a bunch of purple flowers and then slap her around the face with it. Yes, that's what the history lessons are saying on this. I love the idea of flowers, Vikings, but what up with the slapping on the face? I don't really know the why behind that, but that is part of the info that is out here. If any of you are historians and you specifically study Norse history and you have info on the Vikings and the Viking men, is this actually true? I couldn't find any evidence against it. And this is on a history collection uh, site where these people are historians. So I'm thinking it's true. Fascinating. The other thing that I liked was that, you know, he gets a shirt, but, but she gets a slap. You know, I like it, but I don't like it. I think it's both funny and sad at the same time. Um, and a shirt would have been hard to make because the chances were that she might have had material that was like brought in from, you know, some of the Viking raids. She might have had some material that was brought to her that she could make the shirt. But still, to sew it would have been a task and a half. So, you know, making making your own needles at the times and, they, you know, most of the time did, they weren't going to have metal needles for one. So most of the time they were using like special um, like needles from uh, plant like plant based stuff and they'd have to be able to sew this and by then maybe by this time they were forging needles it's I don't really know a lot about the history of needles but um, it would just have been quite a lot of work that hand sewing and it all that work and then he could be like no I'm not interested in you yeah so another one thing that uh, the Vikings really loved was love poetry. And they loved um, also talking about the sagas. So the sagas are kind of poetic, very beautiful stories of the Norse gods and demigods and all of that. And one of the things was also for the maidens to sing songs. So the women who were not married would um would be composing and singing songs, although it became against the law in Iceland to do that. So sometimes uh, it was actually better, <laughs> it was better to not sing the songs because for some reason or other, there was suspicion that came out that the Norse believed that the poems that, that people were saying or the songs that were being sung could act as spells to seduce and bind women. And, also that these things could suggest that people knew that maybe these poems would have indicated things like she'd already known him intimately and the Norse weren't against 
sex prior to marriage, but it was, it was more that they were, uh, they wanted to make sure that the lineage was correct. Right. So they, it wasn't a morality thing. Like people might think it's a morality thing. What the writings and the literature uh, on this show or indicate was that it was more that they wanted to make sure that everything in the lineage was, um, Cor like correct so if you if a woman had a child outside of wedlock that was she wasn't necessarily um uh, so that kid wasn't necessarily going to inherit something from the father so it created a bit of confusion so one of the other things that was important just like it was to the romans it was also important to the vikings to have really good hygiene they really loved taking care of themselves they loved taking care of their hair and their clothing and there's a lot of evidence in in um, the graves that when they're doing excavations that they can find that the norse had uh, combs and different things to look after their hygiene and that they were actually concerned with these things so I think that's pretty amazing because I think another thing people often think is that they were just dirty back then, but they weren't. They actually cared about these things. And there is uh, there is evidence. You can find it archaeologically. So that's I think that's very cool, too. And they would pick things up when they traveled. Right. So they might come across new and interesting ideas when they raided villages <laughs> and hygiene was because it was so important to them. They were also the hygiene of their hair was important, but also their bodies. They had washing bowls, even though it was kind of gross because it kind of shared the washing bowls and they would like clean all of their all of their stuff out of there, they assume. <laughs> but and at least they were washing somewhat is probably better than sitting in dirt. And it, it was actually kind of seen that the Norse were probably the cleanest people during the Dark Ages, according to there was a cleric, John of Wallingford. And he noted that the Norse bathed weekly on a Saturday. And that was not common for people to be doing that at the time. They weren't filthy, but they had, they definitely had. So because they wore layers and layers of clothes, they didn't necessarily wash their outer clothes, but they would often wash their underclothes. And they would, because you would have, you know, several layers of them, you would wash uh, what would be like a thing that was like a nightshirt. You would wash those things. And so you didn't smell as bad as maybe we think they did. And, and they probably cared enough to wash their parts. So they would do like a bowl bath, right? You might wash your face, your pits. I call it a whore bath. The face, the pits, the crotch, the butt, your feet, your whore bath. You're going to have one of those and then you're going to be relatively clean. And that's what they did. They got, they got themselves cleaned up. So hygiene was a part of it. And if you were showing up clean, then probably you were going to be a lot more attractive. So if you want to go to back to Norse times and start dating, guys, what are you going to do? Grab some purple flowers and slap the person you're interested in across the face with those purple flowers. And ladies, if you're interested in somebody, make them a nice shirt. I think this tradition could be fascinating. And what would it be like today? We'd have, if you're slapping people across the face with flowers, you're probably going to get um, orders against you to not come near people. <laughs> if you're giving people shirts out of nowhere, that could be nice, but you could be considered a bit cuckoo. So sounds like it could be a fun experiment if you're into 
what would it be like to date as a nurse? Go ahead and find out. <laughs> I'm not saying go slap people with flowers. If they have a flower fetish and they're into being slapped and simultaneously they like them both, fantastic. But they might not. So definitely um, that's one to consider before going out and doing it for sure. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about some mid 16th century. We're going to jump ahead a few centuries and we're going to talk about some mid 16th century flirting that that I came across some information there uh, that I found fun. And also that I found was super fun because uh, as we move in from the 16th century into the 17th, 18th century, this is where we start to discover the things that I thought were real and true until today when I did some research on Sotheby's. All right. So, and who knows? Makes me question all my reality. All right. So if you weren't interested in hearing what on earth that is, fantastic. Stick around. You are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspire Choices and Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. 
welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we're talking about fullerting throughout the ages of history, specifically Europe this uh, this round. And we've been talking about ancient Rome, ancient Greece, and the Norse, especially when the Vikings were very uh, prolific and doing their thing. Before they all turned over to, not all of them, but, but before there was, uh, you know, everybody turning over to Christianity. So, uh, and rejecting their gods. So that was a different time and a different way of being, for sure. So different and, and fascinating, not wrong. I'm just fascinated by it. So the, I'm, at first I thought I'm going to jump to the 16th century, but I'm not. I'm going to jump to medieval uh, era. So we're talking about the 14th, 15th, early, maybe early 16th century. So uh, during this time, if you were interested in somebody, the chances were that they were somebody that you knew and you probably grew up with them. They were probably going to be somebody around your age because people weren't traveling a lot then, especially if you were like not nobility. If you were just a regular old person living in a regular old village, you might be living in a village that has maybe 100 people in it. And those probably 100 people in it might be related to you somehow or other. So if you're really lucky, you might date in a village next to you. And they might not be related to you as much, but they also might be. So typically you would actually know people. And so the dating scene was a little bit different. You probably had grown um, some feelings for them and you might've even at some point told them. And one of the ways you might have told them was that if you were the man in the relationship, you would be presenting the girl with some simple gifts because there is unfortunately not a lot of history that's written about anybody who's not uh, like the the flirting between uh, anybody who's not heterosexual. There is information out there, though, on how queer people got to be able to date and what how would they know somebody was queer. And we'll probably do a show about that during... Um, gay pride month so we'll probably look at that in june and i'll probably have ziva on for that because ziva likes talking about all things queer history so we'll probably talk about that so for now part of the history that we're looking at is um, mainly we're looking at purposes of flirting were probably to get married and most you know that was not uh, happening between anybody who wasn't heterosexual back then if it was happening it was in the quiet it was not something that was going to be on the record um and it was a love that people shared but didn't necessarily go public with so <clears throat> in these villages of like 100 people the chances were you knew somebody so you probably would have known them growing up and the only way that you would know that somebody's interested in you is they might do something outrageous outlandish you might be shocked by this they might bring you fruit the person might bring you fruit isn't that funny <laughs> so if you had fruit show up one day or maybe a festive this is actually information it is quoted as a festive gingerbread like biscuit if you received either fruits or uh, some festive gingerbread-like biscuits, you were being carded. Somebody was interested in you and they wanted to date you. 
And it was very different than what was going on with the rich. And they have an entirely different experience with flirting than the people who are not rich. They are going to have people who are introducing them. They're introducing them for all kinds of reasons that are not love based. And they're generally doing this so that, you know, it's about the land, it's about business um, propositions. It's about, sometimes it's even about stopping wars and like you give your daughter over as a peace offering. The people loved each other, but here's my daughter and five cows. Let's have peace. That's kind of where things led a lot of the time. So whether they they didn't even really necessarily need to flirt their way into relationship, but that society also had a form of flirting, which we will talk about, and um, and and there were also people who would have uh, different relationships than maybe we assumed. It was actually very encouraged at times later on in the seventeenth, eighteenth century, especially the eighteenth, eighteen hundreds, so nineteenth century, that. Uh, that people were actually very encouraged to have romantic relationships with people of the same sex. And it was not, it was not just accepted, it was encouraged. So some of these relationships ended up being quite deep and they led to things. And the idea was as long as they didn't interfere in you having children and, you know, carrying on the bloodline, that was fine. As long as you, you just kept your, kept your love at bay somewhat and you didn't get overly involved or leave your partner because your husband or wife because of your romantic relationship that was it was acceptable and that's true for a lot of the um stuff historically like even even looking at like affairs a lot of times it was like okay they had an affair as long as you don't be public with it and as long as you're not spreading rumors or having babies um outside of marriage okay that's just do your thing let's not talk about it but then if you were doing it publicly you could get caught and killed so better to keep these things really under uh in the private not the public yeah different jurisdictions for love so going back to what did you get in a medieval village if you were if somebody was interested in you you got yourself some gingerbread like biscuits and a nice piece of fruit so moving on from that, I want to tap into a little bit of the 16th century, um, because, you know, in that, you know, class really matters a lot um, at this point in Europe. There's there's a huge division. You've got your peasants, you've got your aristocracy, and they all deal with life very differently. The middle class by this time hasn't even really come around. Looking at 16th century, where and again, I'm not a historian. This is just from stuff I know because I like watch stuff. But if, if I'm wrong, let me know. I'd love to hear your take on that. So 16th century. 16th century flirting was very interesting because the word flirting was not referred to what we thought it was referred to. So even before they not necessarily had a word for what they were doing, they were trying to get involved in courtship. And so they were showing interest. And now this word flirting starts to get used. And in the mid 16th century, so we're talking like 1550s, flirting referred to what we now um, would call turning up your nose. So a flirt itself was like making fun of somebody, 
being a little sarcastic, bringing out some comments that were not necessarily kind, nitpicking, complaining. Um, it wasn't in like, it wasn't even very nice or just like sneering at somebody that was considered flirting until around the same time a switch happened and right around the same time the mid 1600s so coming after the 1550s now we're coming into a time where flirting began to take on the meanings that we have it mean today with like different romantic ideas behind it and so there's evidence of that written in sea shanties in the 1650s and mid oh sorry so yeah 16th century to mid 1600s so um 16 so about 100 years later we've got to get clear on that getting my centuries and my hundreds off on that uh so at some point in the 1650s there was a sea, a sea shanty written and that sea shanty referred to uh an expression called to flirt a fan and this is where we get into and I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, how to flirt with fans. And it's an interesting uh, idea and it's an interesting history behind this. And we will talk about that when we come back from this commercial break. You're listening to Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. We'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email info at melitzayelenich.com now back to the program welcome back my sweet sweet pleasure seekers we're going to be talking about fan flirting was this true was it not how did it happen what's going on so if this is a new concept to you back in the day there was a lot of use of fans for specifically because it was a way to cool down and things were definitely moving across the world a lot more. So you were starting to get influences from uh, different parts of like China and Japan where fans were used a lot more. And there was, you know, the art of fan um, there's like different fan dances in those countries uh, and I'm sure across India, there's also some fan dancing and Bali, Indonesia, they probably have that too. So there was a fan, there was a lot of fan stuff going on and people used them for practical reasons, but also 
there was a theory that people used it as a code for flirting. And there was a fan maker named Duval Leroy, and I definitely didn't say that right. It's French, Duval Leroy. Duval Leroy? Duval Leroy? Yes, which is a fan maker that um, was in Paris in 1827. And he had published a leaflet explaining the language behind the uses of the fan. But in reality, he did this to boost fan sales. So he actually had created this leaflet. And whether people used it, uh, studied it, took it to heart, and then took it into their life is a whole other uh you know, wh whether people actually use this and understood it is another thing. Did everybody have their leaflet on them? Did they memorize the leaflet? How did they know? How was the language passed on? I don't know, but I'm fascinated by fan history. If somebody wants to send me a beautiful fan, I will send you a video of me flirting with you with that fan. If you'd like to know how to send me a fan, just go on my website, milicayelenich.com, M-I-L-I-C-A-J-E-L-E-N-I-C.com. Send me a message with uh, the topic, send you a fan. I will respond. I will give you a mailing address so that you can send me a beautiful fan and I can send you a video of me flirting with you with that fan. How fun is that? All right. So next on the list is how do we know that this is not so true? Well, there was actually a lot of other people writing about articles, uh, writing articles on the fan culture at the time and the coding of fan language. And many people were saying that this was not true. And in fact, it was just uh, a bit of a, a lark. So people were just thinking, what a joke. We're just going to... We're just going to play, I guess some people played along with it. Maybe they, you know, kind of like youth culture might've played along with it, but it might not have actually been true. And guys, Sotheby's is pretty legit. I would say they're super legit around their history for sure. And knowing what history uh, and doing their research, right? So I kind of like that they have this specific thing that they found, which was the leaflet. And I have... Um, I found a copy of that leaflet, which makes it even more fun. And that copy of the leaflet has all kinds of things in there. Like if you're carrying the fan in the right hand in front of your face, it means follow me. If you're carrying your hand in your left hand in front of your face, it means that you're desirous of acquaintance. If you are placing it on your left ear, it means I wish to get rid of you. <laughs> if you are drawing it across your forehead, it means you have changed. Twirling it in the left hand, which I can't twirl this one, means we are watched. Carrying it in the right hand means you are too willing. Drawing it through your hand means I hate you. Twirling it in the right hand means I love another. Drawing it across your cheek means I love you. Presented shut is the question, do you love me? Drawing it across your eyes, I am so very sorry. Touching your, the tip with your finger, I wish to speak to you. 
Letting it rest on your right cheek. Yes. Letting it rest on your left cheek. No. Open it and shut it. You are cruel. Dropping it. You, we will be friends. Fanning slowly. I am married. Fanning quickly. I am engaged. With the handle, with handle to lips, kiss me. Open wide is wait for me. Mine won't open wide. Carrying it in the left hand open. Come and talk to me. Placed behind the head. Don't forget me. And with the little finger extended, goodbye. How fun is that? Who doesn't want to flirt with fans? I would love to flirt with a fan for you and get all fancied up and get flirting with fans because that is delightful. And I would love to know how you would love me to flirt with you with a fan. And uh, let me know. Send me a fan. Send me a beautiful fan and I will send you a beautiful video flirting with you with a fan. Now that is an offer. I don't know who can refuse it. So what did we learn today, guys? I didn't even get to like the 19th century and the 20th century and the 21st century because you know what? Flirting and relationships have changed so much in a way and yet not a lot in a way in the last 200 years. Uh, we have a lot of things that are true still to this day, but actually we've become a little bit more prudish than we ever were. And in some ways we become very negligent and less um, careful. So we have we have like a mixed bag going on and it's definitely changed in the last 200 years. So when I've skipped a few hundred years in here and there uh, historically, I think as certain technologies change, as we change, as we have more access to more people, as we travel, as we tap into other cultures and we learn things, flirting changes throughout history. So whether flirting changes because you go to one country and they flirt one way and where you're from, they flirt another way, you can get a lot of mixed information. You can actually travel across, um, I, you could probably travel across the Balkans, I'm going to use that as an example, and you could do things that would have some people think that they're going to marry you, and you could do those same things in France, and somebody would think that you were scum of the earth. So... <laughs> Depends on where you go. If you are traveling, it's good to know the etiquette of the country that you're going to in terms of flirting and what, you know, if you do this in some country, you might be engaged to somebody. If you're sticking your finger on your eye or near your ear and all of a sudden you don't know, that's like fan Thank etiquette. you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body. And have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body.